This paid commercial may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, proudly celebrating 13 years. Today's episode brings you secure cloud computing and government. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss progress being made in secure cloud computing in the federal government. With me on today's show are Tom Susala, Director of Army Architecture Integration, Chief and Data Officer, U.S. Army. Travis Methven, Director, U.S. Naval Commercial Cloud Services. Brian Merrick, Director, Office of Innovation Infrastructure, Department of State. Scott Bean, Assistant Director, IT Infrastructure Division, FBI. Jeff Berjan, Senior VP, BRMI Technology. Doug Bourgeois, Managing Director, Federal Cloud Leader, Deloitte. And Brett McMillan, Senior Manager, Federal Civilian Amazon Web Services. Well, this is a big subject, the cloud. Uh, first initiative came out, uh, what, a couple of years ago, right? We had d data center consolidation. Then we had an executive, off, uh, executive um, uh, uh, order that uh, stated that we needed to, uh, to optimize our capability, to modernize our capability, secure it. Um, we had an executive order that said uh, we need to be efficient in regards to the exec uh, executive uh, organization. And then we just recently had an executive order that has now elevated the CIO's uh, you know, reporting structure and also gave them direct hire authority, which I think is significant when appropriate, uh, to make sure that we can bolster the types of services and capabilities and skills needed to enable this. And it was funny, you know, we were thinking, you know, a year ago it was about, you know, how safe is it to move into the cloud and is it the right thing to do? Are we ready? Is a, is a commercial cloud vendors ready? And now I think it's really, uh, is it safe not to move into the cloud, right? I think that's really what's in play here. Um, so um, <clears throat> we're gonna start with, uh, with Tom, you at the Army. Can you give us uh, uh, some, uh, some, give us uh, an update on how you're doing as far as progress that the Army is making? I know there's Jedi out there, there's Mill Cloud out there, all kinds of different cloud activities. And, and maybe talk specifically about uh, a program that you guys are, are using to sort of push the ball forward. Absolutely, so yeah. the good news is, is we have a lot going on in the cloud arena. Um, I suppose the bad news is we have a lot going on in the cloud arena, right? Um, <clears throat> so we have a number of major programs that we actually started over the last couple years. And most recently, what we're trying to do is actually, I don't want to say consolidate them, but put some bit more program management rigor into the uh, into the way in which we're managing the cloud. So um, we're standing up a thing known as the Enterprise Computing Environment right now, which is a program management office in our, our Enterprise Information Services, PEO, down in Fort Belvoir. And from there, we're going to manage uh, both our Accent contract, which is our major acquisition vehicle for buying uh, commercial cloud services, as well as our on-premise cloud capabilities and our um, DOD on-premise capabilities. So the Army has some private clouds that the, we're running as well, uh, you know, on behalf of the Army, and then we're going to leverage things you mentioned, like Mill Cloud, uh, for example. We want to leverage those as well. And so those are the big initiatives we have going on right now. Uh, but the goal is to really kind of get some sense of management around them and focus them to accelerate our cloud, um, move into the cloud. 
And as the uh, Secretary of the Army just told us on Monday, uh, you know, they want to move the data center consolidation stuff to the left so we can do more investments in modernization and the Futures Command and things like this out in the FY2223 arena. So we really want to get to moving things to commercial cloud and consolidation into our 10 enterprise data centers as rapidly as we can. Yes, yeah, so. definitely all systems go. And it seems like there's this dynamic now of, you know, your hybrid cloud play, your private cloud play, your multi-cloud play, and sort of how do you manage that, right? That gets really tricky. Travis, how about at the Navy? How are you guys doing over there in regards to uh, your commercial cloud and securing that environment and moving out? I'll steal a little bit from Tom, but I, I think that we have a lot going on. Um, we've made some initiatives, uh, kind of shifting our focus a little bit from data center consolidation and a centralized model where we're putting things more in a data center, but taking that moment to pause and say, are these workloads that we should be doing uh, in a commercial cloud environment? Navy came out in 2017 with a commercial first uh, initiative, and we're really looking at the funding aspect before we do IT spend to say, are these workloads that should go into commercial cloud? What makes sense for it? Um, along with that, we're looking at uh, how to empower the resource sponsors and the, and the functional area managers to look at their portfolio of applications. We're trying to bring in uh, the warfare commanders and, and help them manage their portfolios, but really look at this from a portfolio aspect and stop, stop looking at it as an individual application movement, kind of a data center framework, but rather let's look at it from a portfolio aspect and what makes sense to, to get into the cloud and how can we do this a little bit more smartly. Um, part of what we're trying to do this year is uh, we're calling it our bridge year. We're, we're really trying to enable as many uh, vehicles as we can or avenues we can for uh, the application owners and, and functional area managers to get their workloads to the cloud. So we have our Navy Enterprise uh, cloud vehicle that, that's coming online here in June. Uh, what we're doing is, is using that as a kind of a, an, an intermediary step before we get to the, the JEDI uh, contract offering. Mm -hmm. But what we really realized is the timing that we needed, uh, we had to have an interim contract in place to kind of move this along. And, we, mm -hmm. and so uh, what we're really targeting is a managed service provider, uh, looking at how we can provide some shared services uh, for those applications and still work with those industry partners and in bringing in more and more commercial services. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. It's sort of a a blend of a C2S and maybe what a Jedi would be or sort of uh, a little bit of the mill cloud. Uh, Doug, how about it at Deloitte? I know that Deloitte has a huge cloud practice, um, um, uh, both in the commercial and in, uh, in, the, um, in the public sector. Um, uh, yeah, tell us what's going on at Deloitte in regards to what you're seeing out there in regards to the community, what's been happening over the last year, uh, what's going, uh, what's happening today. Yeah, you're exactly right, Luke. As you know, Deloitte's a global leading consulting organization, and so we have a view across all commercial sectors and in all government sectors as well. And uh, I'll tip my hat first to uh, the USDA and the data center consolidation effort that they're underway. Now they're just early stages, but they're taking what I consider to be the right approach as, as it pertains to cloud being a key, a central part of their consolidation strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and we haven't always seen cloud being so prominent and kind of a key part of the strategy of consolidation uh, in the past. So hats off to them. Um, I'd like to reference real quickly two examples, I think. One in the DOD uh, and one of the more administrative programs where the program directors really focused on financial services industry and how some of the more innovative organizations there have 
fully leverage the cloud in their um, their business strategies and how to incorporate and learn from what they've done and bring that into their program. And so they're driving pretty aggressively towards a model that's based on that, um, doing some really innovative things and focus centrally on the end user experience and leveraging the best of cloud services and commercial cloud providers to enable that to happen in the context of security um, and um, all that that implies in terms of the complexity and challenges to overcome. And then, and then finally, in what I would call a loosely affiliated public safety organization, <laughs> um, this one's really, really exciting because they're leveraging what I call an immutable architecture mm. for the cloud. And this is everything from the virtualized hardware to the software configurations are all standardized and defined uh, and controlled and so that uh, and manage through the fully automated DevOps pipeline. So any changes that occur, software, virtual hardware, any of that are always managed through that pipeline in a fully automated manner. And when I say fully automated, meaning that if something fails, the automation in the cloud takes over and kind of re, um, reloads that and repushes that out into production and provides a much, much higher level of service and much faster response time than than can be done using traditional methods. And I think that's a really leading example of fully leveraging commercial cloud service providers um, to be able to accomplish the agility objectives. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of products out there that are being emerging that uh, when you're getting into this full DevSecOps where you're, you're looking at you know uh, infrastructure as software, right, that allows you exactly. to, to, to do a full automation and tear down and build up uh, almost instantaneously. It's incredible, some of the technology that's out there. Scott, how about at the FBI? You, know, you guys just released an RFI out there to sort of uh, examine what's out there in the uh, in the universe, but you've also been doing a lot of sort of internal public cloud kind of stuff. Tell us about what's going on at the FBI in regards to your cloud initiatives. Certainly. So uh, what we're working on right now is, is, as we've talked about, we're building on some themes here of data center consolidation and using that as a forcing function to make application owners really take a hard look at their workloads to make sure they're provisioned correctly, not over-provisioned. Moving to cloud makes that easier for us because now we have provisioning scalability. Uh, so that's been very helpful for us. Uh, the challenge for us has been uh, most of our workloads are at the secret level and we haven't had a secret, secret commercial cloud solution until very recently. And the market is expanding there. Uh, we look forward to more vendors getting into that space, uh, which will be helpful for us. But we've also done, as we're preparing our, our new data center, we've also done a build out of our secret cloud on-premise solution, uh, which is uh, very similar in terms of making sure that we have consistency in how we're structuring uh, the those capabilities where we can uh, uh, make the, uh, the the storage, the compute uh, more fluid for the application owners, but still give them a consistent stack that they can develop toward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, amazing how quickly this technology is, is one, being adopted, but also how the, the cloud um, uh, providers are adopting, uh, you know, sort of the uh, uh, the, the classified, uh, you know, uh, parameters and requirements and adopting them into sort of a commercial offering, if you will, and making that available. You know, if you think about some of these classified environments versus a commercial environment, the two shall never, you know, come close to each other. Sort of technologically, there was a lot of just, 
you know, barriers to, to overcome now. And, and a lot of this technology has really lowered that and made that uh, much uh, easier to adopt into a, sort of a commercial type environments. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing how that's happened. Jeff, you see this on both sides of the fence at BRMI in regards to what the, the commercial com customers are doing and what the, uh, the federal customers are doing. Uh, can you give us some perspective um, in regards to uh, uh, you know, what's been going on over the last year in respect to uh, what you're seeing evolving uh, with uh, the clients maybe on both sides and how they're similar or not similar. Yeah, certainly, Luke. So at BRMI, we look at simplifying complexity through automation, and cloud is just another extension of that automated framework, right? So whether it's uh, providing process optimization through robotic process automation, or automating applications in the underlying infrastructure, it's all about the characteristics of cloud. And, and today, you know, we tend to talk about cloud as a physical destination, when really it's about the economics and the intelligent automation that underline those characteristics that drive cloud. Um, so we're seeing clients and customers start to look at how can I begin to extend my capabilities in this cloud market, whether it's at an infrastructure level, platform level, or software as a service level. And so we look at providing opportunities for clients around planning. Obviously there's still planning that needs to take place and we really focus on the economics behind the cloud uh, driving the fiscal responsibility needed to, to be successful in that. Um, we help clients migrate to the cloud and obviously extend. And extend is where I think the exciting part of where the market is today. Um, being able to develop cloud native applications uh, through agile or DevSecOps uh, capabilities and disciplines. Um, being able to expose information that you didn't know you had, I think is also a, a, a compelling component of the extension side. And the impact that machine learning and AI will have on this marketplace is tremendous. So we're starting to see that automation is driving uh, intelligence inside of these environments to help drive success for clients. And it's happening both on the commercial and government side. I think a great example of kind of the extend capability, and it's not so much around the technology, it's around the culture and the ecosystem that has been created, is in the IC community and GovCloud. I, I think as you look at bringing 17 agencies together onto a common platform, if you will, but defining the policies, processes, and procedures by which you can collaborate to extend, build cloud-native applications that deliver services to the mission, I think is a great example of the culture side of driving adoption of cloud. So technology is not always the long pole in the tent. It's really how do you create these environments that can extend the capabilities to deliver outcomes to the mission. Sure. Brian, I know that State has been on a journey uh, in regards to cloud, like most cabinet-level agencies. Uh, can you give us an update as to uh, where, does, uh, where does State stand in regards to their cloud adoption these days? Sure, Luke. So we've actually made quite a bit of progress in embracing the cloud. Uh, for us, uh, I'm sure, uh, like a lot of other agencies, it's been about exposing those capabilities. Um, as we have a global footprint uh, with a multitude of different mission sets, we found that being able to use the cloud has given us quite a bit more flexibility and capability than we had before. Now the real challenge is not so much the adoption of it, but the rationalization of our different cloud environments. Mm -hmm. So now we're working through a new program we're calling Cloud at State. Uh, what we're trying to do is create a, a seamless path to the cloud with inherent governance and architectural capabilities so that we can rationalize that entire environment across the enterprise. Uh, it's been very challenging, uh, you know, due to our ge geographic dispersion to be able to bring these things together in the past. Uh, with this program, we're trying to use basically enterprise license agreements, um, 
a unified governance model, uh, and also uh, inherited security controls so that we can reduce the time to market, reduce the, the compliance barriers to adoption, uh, and also help us bring different solutioning sets together. And what that's going to do next is expose capabilities of the data layer that previously we haven't been able to take advantage of. Uh, certainly in line with what some of what Doug and, and Jeff have talked about, uh, those are some of the capabilities we're really excited about because we have these enormous data sets inherent throughout the organization. And now with cloud, we're going to be able to bring those things together. Mm. Uh, so uh, basically where we are right now is in getting through those initial, uh, starting up those, those procurement vehicles, uh, and then creating our governance models. Uh, and then as we, we progress with that over the next fiscal year, uh, we see a lot of progress coming up uh, to bring those pieces together um, through different business owners and, and different business units, and really reaching out to them to expose those data layers uh, so that we can share data between uh, organizations that ordinarily wouldn't have done that. Fantastic, really laying the, uh, the tracks down to, uh, to enable the capability. All right, so Brett, tell us what's going on in Amazon. Give us a snapshot of sort of what you've been seeing over the last few months, sure, uh, in the, uh, uh, particularly in the, uh, in the federal space. Yeah, so, so we're finding that we're, we're working with virtually every agency of the federal government on their cloud migrations and their cloud adoptions, and it's a wide range of systems, everything from websites to back office systems to uh, mission critical systems, and the problems that they're solving are equally as varied, anywhere from helping solving the traffic congestion on our roads to helping the government increase their cyber um, uh, stance and protect against cyber threats. And what we're finding which is pretty exciting is the government's not just moving their infrastructure to the cloud, but instead what they're doing is they are taking the cloud and they're trying to figure out how this can be a platform to do real innovation. And they're taking the real innovation that they're getting from the cloud and they're utilizing some of the most advanced services that are available, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And they're doing all this with using best-in-class security methods. And so what we're seeing today is that the cloud is enabling organizations to do things in ways that they never did before. Um, the use cases, I can talk about all kinds of things that are happening, but what excites me the most is when government agencies are doing things that have a real and direct impact to the citizens. So um, some of these use cases are, for example, over at uh, the VA, they um, launched Vets.gov, and it used to be that uh, veterans had to go to multiple different websites, and quite frankly, a lot of vets gave up before they got to all the services that were available to them. And they brought this together into Vets.gov, and it's running um, much smoother and vets are getting the services they're needing uh, quicker. Another exciting one is over at uh, Customs and Border Protection. And what they've, uh, they have a mandate to verify that the people who are leaving this country are indeed the people who say they are leaving this country and do some sort of verification. And they already know what you look like from your passport photo. And with the cloud, it's very easy to um, work with the airlines and put up a fairly inexpensive camera, compare your passport photo to that person that's hopping on the, on the plane and have a match. What CBP did was they said, we're going to do this and improve the customer experience, improve the passenger experience. And that almost never happens with security, that you improve things while you increase um, security. And so what they've done now is they've made this available to the airlines. And so what's happening is the airlines are now um, uh, piloting is 
do you even need a boarding pass anymore? Could you just hop on a plane? Because um, once we've done that match, that could be your boarding pass. And then what if you take that match and you make it available to uh, duty-free? Can you improve the shopping experience? So what's really exciting is the um, solutions that people are coming up with using cloud computing. Fascinating, um, uh, the enablement of these capabilities with this new technology. Uh, well, um, we're going to um, take a short break and come right back, and we'll talk about lessons learned trying to adopt this new technology. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. New cloud technologies and directives are challenging tech strategies every day. Multi-cloud, native applications, and network transformation are redefining the future of effective cloud management. Deloitte helps you right-size your cloud to get maximum value today and stay ahead of what's to come. For more on how to successfully map your own individual cloud journey with a variety of options from Deloitte's cloud offerings for government and the public sector, visit Deloitte.com US Federal Cloud. Have your agency's endless IT modernization initiatives failed to produce measurable improvements? At BRMI, they believe in simplifying complexity and they're passionate about creating value. BRMI's automation solutions produce results quickly and in every iteration. They learn your business to understand your needs now and in the future. Using critical business performance and process information, they create and deliver high-value solutions that are flexible, targeted, and timely. BRMI, executing change and accelerating outcomes. Visit BRMI.com today to learn more. Is secure enough enough? We don't think so. That's why AWS constantly keeps innovating to have the most secure, most compliant cloud in the world. Because if you are in the public sector, you need advanced security tools to keep your mission-critical sensitive information safe all the way to the tactical edge. Think about it this way. If you're not protecting your data with an AWS level of security, it's really just secure-ish. And secure-ish never helped anyone build. Find out how AWS can help you at aws.amazon.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. With me on today's show are Tom Susla, U.S. Army, Travis Methvin, U.S. Navy, Brian Merrick, Department of State, Scott Bean, FBI, Jeff Bruzon, BRMI, Doug Boussois, Deloitte, and Brett McMillan, AWS Web Services, Amazon Web Services. Uh, we were talking about all the fantastic adoption that's going on across the community. Some of you are laying tracks down. Some of you are fully enabled. Uh, a lot of great uh, technology and partnership. Let's talk about some lessons learned, right? This doesn't come at a, a early adoption doesn't come at a, at a, um, uh, without a price. And so, uh, Scott, tell us about some lessons learned, some stuff that you can share with the audience uh, that you guys are discovering that others that will follow you can uh, can learn from. Absolutely. So one of the most important things that we found is, is getting that standardization up front and automation up front is critical. Uh, giving your application owners and your, uh, your customers a clear idea of exactly what they need to develop towards so they understand what the security stack looks like, they understand what the network hooks need to be, they have an environment that they can do that pure DevOps and, and make it simple. So the more that we can do up front to give them that level playing field where they understand exactly what they need to develop toward, the easier it is for them to meet those requirements to get to ATO and to get into production as quickly as possible. Uh, so, so that's one of the most important things that we've seen. The other thing is we're really trying to, to make it uh, 
as clear as possible as early as possible. So uh, working with the app development teams and in, in putting infrastructure folks and cloud folks together with the app development teams. So as we run into these things, you know, we run into some seismic shifts sometimes that force us to change what those standards look like, but doing that intelligently. Uh, so we're not just making a change for change's sake, that we're giving consistency, but we're also remaining agile. Right, and I, I love the sort of that combined group, and that this is not just about good old Kanbans and scrums. This is about sort of look, we're discovering and we're learning and we're adapting, and we're you know resetting our policy and procedures sometimes. So you know, really important to bring those two communities. Um, Brian, how about at State? Uh, give us some lessons learned of things that you're discovering there that uh, would be of value to the audience that uh, needs to uh, keep into consideration as they go on this journey. Oh, of course. So I, I think some of the, the main takeaways we've learned is that we've got to make the journey to the cloud attainable. We've got to you know, make a clear path for our system owners and our business owners so they can leverage the best capabilities. Um, as we've kind of moved through this journey and, and, and moved along through the processes, you know, at first we started with a, a very onerous governance structure, and we found that instead of encouraging the cloud, that actually created some barriers to adoption. So as we're moving forward, we're redoing our, our, our governance structure more to an eye towards how do we find the right solutions for their business problems, as opposed to dealing with technology on a, on a technology level. So, so abstracting that to the business layer has made it easier for us to find those solutions uh, and then get that path uh, for the, the business owners to those solutions. We've also uh, found that embracing a multi-cloud strategy has been very beneficial to us. So that way we can find the best tool, the best in breed, which allows us to save funding that we'd spend on customization or over modification of existing offerings. So we can plow that money back into automation to help us manage our environments. Uh, so I, I think those are some of the, the key takeaways uh, that, that, that we found in our, our practical yeah, application. So perhaps one size doesn't fit all. Mm -hmm. uh, Brett, how about at, uh, at Amazon? What are you guys seeing out there in regards to the lessons learned, sort of the uh, the, the discovery that each uh, agency perhaps may be uh, seeing that you're seeing sort of over and over that uh, maybe you could be pointing out to our audience as they uh, embark on the journey. Yeah, and the government agencies aren't actually unique in this. We're seeing the same thing happening in commercial organizations. Mm -hmm. What typically happens is somebody will pick a single workload or a single um, uh, application that they're going to move to the cloud. And they do that and they get success. And other people in the organization start seeing that and then they start doing the same thing in the other areas. And what happens very quickly is you get lots of these islands of deployment, individual things that are happening out there. And I think the lessons that is learned is that this happens faster than some organizations expect to happen. So once you start down that path, or once somebody in your agency starts down that path, I think it's really critical to start thinking about how are we going to support this enterprise-wide, because it's going to happen within the organization. And so enterprise-wide, the agencies need to put together an acquisition strategy, um, have a contract path for these folks to get there fairly quickly. They have to have standard operating procedures, governance um, policies, and agencies that do that, what they end up doing is they start unleashing the power of the cloud quicker. And we find over and over that they had no idea how much they were restraining their developers uh, because they didn't have access to these new technologies. And when they put in an agency-wide governance or an agency-wide plan for everybody to quickly and easily get to the cloud, they're often surprised at how fast they're able to iterate these systems. Yeah, I think, you know, I hear this over and over, this pent-it-up demand to deliver, 
you know the the service to the citizen name your you know your mission so to speak is uh is incredible when you start to unleash it um travis how about at the navy uh, what are the lessons learned what are you guys discovering over there that you'd like to uh, share with the audience well i, I think uh, both scott and uh, brian have talked a, a little bit about standardization and what we're doing i think one of the the great lessons that we learned is we can't keep up with the rate of change uh with commercial industries especially when we act or when we contract for it so that's been a, a huge lessons learned for us is how do we deal with change management and building change management into how we're trying to acquire cloud services. Um, it's not so much about um, uh, um, trying to, to um, create the perfect contract, but rather create the most avenue to, to get that enablement in there, to get those commercial services in there, uh, to deal with the, the availability of services with the different commercial service providers, mm -hmm. and leverage those services to take away from things that may have been you know, a, a manual, or we, we may have had an, an antiquated tool to do it, but just bring about those, those um, the services, service availabilities. Uh, I think what we've also learned is, is uh, the workloads uh, primarily are, are not documented as well as we, we would like to see. So yeah. I think that we all want to get to the cloud, um, but when we start to look at the workloads there, you know, we, we focus on um, elasticity a lot. Um, what, we're, what we're really finding out is in the Navy, we've done a, a poor job of procuring IT in the sense of we've over-procured. So mm -hmm. trying to get those tools in place to understand, you know, what, is, what can we do to right-size, what services can we bring about to help uh, make more efficient decisions or, or more equitable decisions on the IT procurements. Yeah, and I think the ability to be able to dial up and down once you're in that environment is is uh, pretty powerful. Doug, uh, give us a, a picture of sort of what you're discovering out there in the uh, in the community as you're working with these various uh, partners and agencies uh, trying to implement this capability. Yeah, Luke, definitely there's a lot of commonality there across uh, commercial and government. Um, in terms of the lessons learned, I would say, you know, one that really we see everywhere is drive, you know, success is, is accomplished in the cloud by driving cloud adoption and migration from the top down, but also from the bottom up. And it's, you know, it's fine to have a vision and a, and a grand plan for how to get to the cloud, uh, but there also needs to be kind of ground truthing based on engineering understanding of the interdependencies between these uh, applications and the data and the networks and how to, you know, what's the best approach to kind of, you know, extracting and moving those over to the cloud. Um, another one is that lift and shift will only take you so far. Uh, I think there's still kind of a prevailing notion that the cloud is some, uh, and I think it might have been Jeff mentioned it earlier, some utopian place where applications go to live happily ever after. Um, and that's, not, that's really not what the cloud is all about. That's like a starting point. Um, you know, cloud is really about innovation and modernization to take advantage of efficiency and agility to drive uh, the mission forward. Um, and that takes me to APIs. Uh, APIs are the key to breaking down the monolithic legacy applications and is key part of the of the modernization strategy getting past this phase one lift and shift is to um, is to leverage APIs to abstract the legacy expose them um, their services in small pieces and enable a gradual incremental migration of these monolithic uh, legacy applications. And then in politics, we have this saying that, you know, it's about the economy, stupid. Well, with the cloud, it's about the culture, stupid. Um, and the culture is by far the, you know, the, the largest stumbling block. And the lessons learned are, you know, around the appropriate and most effective means for, for getting the culture to buy in and accept and begin to support uh, the cloud as a key part of our IT and uh, mission enabling strategies. And then finally, take the long view over the short view. 
it's real easy again to focus on lifting and shifting, you know, uh, componentized and, uh, and and separate applications uh, to the cloud. But the portfolio view around looking at portfolio efficiencies, portfolio rationalization in concert with this next wave enabled by APIs and abstraction is really going to enable uh, government agencies just like commercial entities to drive the agenda forward with cloud. Really take advantage of the technology once you sort of get in there, you know, and, and give it, get into sort of more of a cloud native sort of adoption versus the lift and shift. How about at the Army? Uh, what have you guys discovered over there as a lessons learned of sort of as you're, you're uh, early in your adoption? Right. cycle. So, so there's a number of things I can touch on, and a lot of it's already been touched on, but uh, two major points that I'd like to make. Brian mentioned the first one earlier, um, which is creating the, the, the on-ramps or the avenues, right? We want to reduce the barriers and uh, to getting into our environments, right? And so what we found is, the lesson learned there is it's required but not sufficient, right? Um, so just eliminating the barriers, which we've done through contracting vehicles, doesn't, it didn't create that, that movement that we wanted to see, mm. right? More importantly, the, the catalyst of closing data centers also was not creating the, the, the movement that we wanted to see. And so we're actually struggling with this right now, kind of like, why is that, right? And it really comes down to a little bit of the culture thing, mm -hmm. um, but it's the standardization that was mentioned earlier, right? Not standardization in terms of technology, because we can do that pretty easily, right? Um, it's really standardization in the processes and the governance um, and the comfortability of people in that standardization, right? So it's been, and, and, and Travis mentioned this, it's been a little wild, wild west uh, when it comes to IT. The, uh, the Army likes to buy a lot of hardware um, and throw a small number of applications and users on said hardware, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so people were comfortable I call them server huggers, right? They're comfortable with the notion of buying hardware. They can see the blinking lights and they can touch something. Um, and the utopian space out there called cloud is very amorphous, right? And you can't touch it. I, I literally had to dissuade a senior uh, military officer not so long ago of when he wanted to go visit one of our cloud implementations. He wanted to see it. Um, and, and I tried to convince him that I'll walk him down to the basement of the Pentagon and show him the server room, and all he has to do is imagine himself in a different location, and it'll be the same thing, right? Um, so there, there's a, you that's, still have a job. That's pretty good. I yeah. did. I did, actually. We have a good relationship, so it's okay. Um, but that's one, of, that's one of the challenges. The, yeah. the, 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 the other challenge there is, is, is really about achieving those efficiencies in a way that the people that are need the, the services can resonate with. So uh, don't focus on cost savings, focus, focus on making the business more effective, more efficient, right? So in the DOD, when we, we get this all the time, we're going through it right now, these reform initiatives, and people, when they hear reform, they think we want to save money, right? And I'll be honest with you, I'm not convinced that cloud is going to save a tremendous amount of money, but what it will do is it will generate uh, just a tremendous amount of additional capacity because we can do more with either less or the same amount of money, right? Sure. We're more flexible, more efficient, more effective with everything that we're doing, right? And via automation, which I think is going to be absolutely key. I mean, that's one of, we missed the boat on automation when we started this. Um, but And that's something we're cracking into right now. And I brought up uh, APIs actually in the last one of these on data, right? The way to free the data, to free the application is to decompose them into microservices and then orchestrate them across your enterprise. That's the big lessons learned we're seeing now that we're starting to see applications yeah, in the yeah, environment. This culture thing that you always hear about too. So it's almost like the you know just having the imagination to yeah. see some of these, these uh, these uh, these things that are enabled once you get into this environment. Mm -hmm. Jeff, how about at uh, BRMI? I'm sure you guys have a lot of lessons learned over there in regards to what you're seeing and helping these uh, these uh, customers out. Give us uh, give the audience some perspective of. Uh, 
things they need to be considering. Absolutely, and I'm going to uh, carry a thought that Brian had earlier around taking the mission and business focus, right, to deliver that value back to back to the mission owners uh, that cloud can offer. I, I think that's a that's a critical step on your cloud adoption journey, and and that starts with understanding how we go about doing that, right? So we look at it as again under simplifying the complexity of these environments make that move forward. I, I think Brett talked a little bit earlier about the deployment of solutions in the cloud exposes opportunities um, to that end user community that they might not have thought of before, right? So how to take advantage of that uh, to move the capability forward. So I would say move forward faster um, uh, to deliver value to the end users um, and think about how you can extend that going forward. Um, and then lastly, it's really about placement. I think the advancements in um, intelligent infrastructure. Um, we talked a little bit earlier that cloud is not uh, specifically a physical destination. Um, so moving some of this compute ca uh, capability to the edge, moving it closer to the users, moving it, for example, to the border, or putting it afloat um, on ships, or moving it into theater. Um, but putting this compute and this automation closer to the people who are consuming it um, will provide better services to them as well. Obviously, there's an ecosystem when we talk about hybrid cloud management. Uh, we view it as kind of a federated cloud environment, which consists of you know, centralized data center uh, cloud environments as well as edge uh, to create that end user experience um, and being able to extend it uh, based on business and, and mission needs at any given time. Yeah, talking about sort of extending the uh, the cloud and sort of your footprint and I, uh, I was thinking about the State Department and how the cloud, you know, and sort of this global kind of configuration really makes sense. Uh, let's move into um, uh, some of the challenges uh, that you're uh, anticipating you're going to be facing, so to speak, uh, as you go forward here in this environment. So let's start with you, Brian. Yeah, there are obviously many challenges in a global footprint. Um, one of ours actually that, that uh, we're, we're working through now is uh, having a unified identity management system and approach. So obviously with the move away from legacy perimeter security and moving into a virtual boundary mm. uh, in the cloud environment, really the, the user identity is the key to unlocking that. Mm. And so uh, we're working through an initiative now to actually roll out those capabilities uh, with a, a multi-tool approach so that we can meet the full gamut of our needs. Uh, one of the unique challenges we have is that we have a, a large uh, diversity of users. So everything from uh, highly secure communications all the way to public outreach with other governments and other citizens of other countries. And we have to be able to identify those users and expose the correct level of data uh, at the right time. And on a global scale, that's been quite a challenge to do without automation. So we think as we get this in place over the next year, that's going to be one of the things that really helps us unlock on a practical level uh, you know, a lot of these capabilities. Uh, some of the other challenges we've had is uh, sort of the, the analysis paralysis that happens uh, when we start to look at this on a, a larger scale. Mm -hmm. And in order to break through that, we've tried to focus more on, on actual solutioning wins and sort of a, creating that framework on a larger scale that then uh, different business units can actually make progress with at a, a grassroots level. Uh, so, for instance, one of the you know things we were looking at, uh, we've got groups that have uh, business challenges overseas at, at, at local posts. For instance, uh, trying to do election monitoring in different countries, especially in Africa, where there's poor connectivity, very poor infrastructure. Well, we've been able to leverage a cloud solution through a, cl a commercial cloud provider's backbone to communicate real time during an election monitoring event. 
uh, with multiple people from other agencies, uh, NGOs, uh, government officials, people on the ground for security, life safety, and just for, for progress reporting. And be able to bring all that together with a two percent uh, within two percent of, of accuracy of the results real time, uh, and so that's been something really powerful. And as those kind of good news stories spread, the, the business organizations start to see the, the value in, in moving forward with a lot yeah, of this. Yeah, it just seems like this technology sort of leapfrogs over some of this legacy stuff, and all of a sudden you're in this modern environment and a very primitive. Uh, type of uh, situation there. Uh, so uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll circle back and, and follow up with the rest of our guests uh, in regards to uh, challenges going forward. Uh, you are listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. New cloud technologies and directives are challenging tech strategies every day. Multi-cloud, native applications, and network transformation are redefining the future of effective cloud management. Deloitte helps you right-size your cloud to get maximum value today and stay ahead of what's to come. For more on how to successfully map your own individual cloud journey with a variety of options from Deloitte's cloud offerings for government and the public sector, visit Deloitte.com slash U.S. slash Federal Cloud. Planning, migration, and management. At BRMI, they believe moving to the cloud means nothing if you aren't bringing real business value to the enterprise. BRMI focuses on doing what's necessary to quickly create a business return through a combination of process automation, smart, secure cloud solutions, and effective change management. They help you use technology the right way at the right time. BRMI, executing change and accelerating outcomes. It's what they stand for and what they do. Visit BRMI.com today to learn more. Is secure enough enough? We don't think so. That's why AWS constantly keeps innovating to have the most secure, most compliant cloud in the world. Because if you are in the public sector, you need advanced security tools to keep your mission-critical, sensitive information safe all the way to the tactical edge. Think about it this way. If you're not protecting your data with an AWS level of security, it's really just secure-ish. And secure-ish never helped anyone build. Find out how AWS can help you at aws.amazon.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. With me on today's show are Tom Sosala, U.S. Army, Travis Methvin, U.S. Navy, Brian Merrick, Department of State, Scott Bean, FBI, Jeff Bourjon, BRMI, Doug Roussois, Deloitte, and Brett McMillan, Amazon Web Services. We were talking about challenges, and we heard from the State Department on a plethora of challenges and some ways they were dealing with it. Scott, how about at the FBI? How are you guys dealing with some of these challenges and anticipated challenges going forward sure. that you might want to share with us? Two things that I would point out. Uh, one, Brian just hit on, that's identity and access management. Really having that pure identity and really understanding uh, at what level these people in our organization need to reach the data sets that are out there, whether on-prem or in cloud, making sure that identity and access management is done correctly. Uh, the other challenge that we face is really in communicating total cost of ownership uh, for our application owners and for our business leader, business line leaders, this is what it costs to run your application uh, on-prem. This is what it costs in our cloud on-premise type arrangement, and this is what it costs in uh, this commercial cloud provider or that commercial cloud provider. Until we can really give our business owners that clarity, they're going to struggle with understanding why they should adopt. We have to help them from a business standpoint, understand this is why it's good for you and good for the organization and good for the mission to move your work 
workload to any of these locations. And then finally, uh, getting into uh, a point where we can actually orchestrate workloads uh, efficiently between on-prem solutions and multiple cloud providers uh, to find that efficiency, uh, to scale up, scale down, do what we need to do as an organization to respond to threats around the world. Yeah, we reduce some complexity and we increase some complexity. And Doug, I'm sure you guys have seen this at Deloitte plenty of times. Can you share some uh, some challenges that you're seeing out there and some things that uh, you're anticipating and uh, perhaps some ways that they're being dealt with? Yeah, absolutely. And again, these are not just unique to government, right? These challenges sure. we see across commercial sector and globally as well. And we talked a little bit about the culture um, you know, I have to kind of reemphasize there, the organizational challenges are substantial, but they're not that difficult to overcome. I think there's just a lack of focus among leadership to really do what need, needs to be done to overcome them. And I think when you look at the organizational challenges, it really boils down to, um, I think my job's going to go away, so I'm not really going to support this. Or you're changing my job so substantially, it's too heavy of a lift for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's not that difficult to overcome that, but there has to be a uh, a focused um, you know, approach from leadership to really show, look, here's the skills we have now. Here's the skills we think we need in this new world. Let's talk very specifically about the transition from here to there. And when I was doing cloud in government you know, a decade ago, you know, have these conversations with my team on a fairly regular basis is, we're going to do everything we can to help you make this transition. We know the skills that we need. We have a game plan for getting people from these skills to those skills, but you have to be engaged in it too. I can't get you there on my own. You have to come with me and have that dialogue and building that trust over time. And then finally, there, uh, on that point, finding those change leaders, those change agents throughout the organization. They could be anywhere, doing any role, and those sorts of things. We tend to focus more on people who have organizational leadership roles as opposed to people who are really in good position to drive the change. And then finally, challenges. The blind spots and security fog, I kind of roll those two into the same thing. And I think it was maybe Brian earlier that talked about it's a kind of a multi-cloud world, and then Jeff talked about how do you more effectively manage that. The, the fact of the matter is, uh, across large IT enterprises, there's already four to seven clouds in use today. And the question becomes, are we going to try and do a cloud consolidation initiative, or are we going to focus on how to provide transparency, uh, security consistency across those environments, and manage them more efficiently and more effectively? And I think the question is, every organization has to make a decision about how they're going to approach that. And I think it's, you know, we're beginning to see trends emerge, but it's still early stage. And that is, how do you manage those blind spots and how do you work through the security fog to get that consistency and not security-ish, but truly secure um, across those, that multi-cloud environment? Uh, Jeff, how about it? Uh, very well stated, and uh, um, the challenges are numerous, and the uh, the opportunities are endless, right? Uh, Jeff, how about a BRMI? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of these challenges that you're forecasting out there, and sort of how how BRM, BRMI is helping to deal with those. So, so absolutely, it's it's really around, and there's there's three things I want to I want to discuss. One is really around how do you manage these hybrid federated environments. Um, uh, from an operational standpoint, from a visibility standpoint, from a transparency standpoint, how do I integrate these into a cohesive ecosystem so I understand where my utilization is? Uh, who's taking up uh, advantage of which components of this cloud ecosystem, whether uh, in the data center or on the edge? So that cloud management environment is, is extremely critical. Mm -hmm. um, you know, referred to in the past around, around cloud broker, um, or hybrid cloud management. I think there's a lot of advances that need to take place there in order to understand how things are being leveraged and, and how they're being um, executed inside the mission. 
I, I think from a security standpoint, I'm going to interject kind of the, the data aspect of this. As you start to bring data together um, in this hybrid environment, how does that change the classification of that data? Um, so as you integrate your data layers and get information visibility um, that you didn't have before, um, how do I classify that? How do I secure that information? Um, so that's, that's a critical kind of challenge uh, that the market is faced with as well. And that really then dovetails into, from an identity management standpoint, how do I get you know, authentication, authorization into these environments uh, to ensure that this access to both applications and data is being controlled. So hybrid does introduce uh, some complexity into the model, but it can be solved going forward. Um, but I think those are the dimensions that, that one needs to consider um, as they in, embark and, and, and build upon their hybrid cloud strategy. Yeah, hybrid is, uh, introduces some complexity, uh, certainly multi-cloud uh, introduces a lot of complexity, multi-commercial cloud, and identity management becomes uh, very key to solving a lot of these solutions. We got about 11 minutes le left, and I'm going to start from uh, uh, from the back here with Brett and ask you to uh, to outline the priorities of uh, where uh, Amazon is right now as far as priorities and a little bit of the future and then we'll kind of bring it back through here. So our priorities are very um, much the same as the government priorities. We're helping them um, move to the cloud, creating operational efficiencies, cost efficiencies. But the other areas that we're spending a lot of time on is um, the cloud enables you to do something once and um, repeat it multiple times. So we're working with those government agencies that um, are doing things like shared services. Uh, there's cloud.gov and uh, login.gov that was built once and everybody can utilize that. And so we're looking throughout the federal government on ways to increase those efficiencies. Moving into the future, um, you know, for decades, IT organizations were limited by what was available to them in their data center, or was limited to their budget, and then they were limited by time, you know, and they had to buy things and make things happen. In the new cloud world, people are able to get things very quickly and um, deploy very quickly. And so what's happening now is the problems that can be solved in government, the problems that IT organizations can solve, is really only limited to their imagination. And I'm really looking forward to working with these organizations in the government to find new and creative ways to solve problems for the citizens. Fantastic. Yeah. Brian, uh, how about at State? Sure. Paint so, a picture of the future here. Uh, in, in the near term, it's identity management. Uh, we're going to get that in place uh, over the next year. Uh, next is creating those paths I was discussing earlier in terms of procurement, security, compliance, and governance uh, so that we can make it easier for business owners to adopt. Uh, we're also creating the underpinnings of that cloud at State framework. Uh, and infrastructure so we can provide infrastructure as a service uh, with other nested non-proprietary tools to assist us uh, in managing other environments through automation. And we really think automation is going to unlock our capabilities uh, and also reduce some of our costs. Um, as I, I think Tom mentioned earlier, I mean, this isn't really necessarily a cost savings opportunity. This is really about increasing capabilities. Mission enablement. Yep. Jeff, BRMI, uh, what, what, what does the future look like? Yeah, so for us, it's really about delivering mission outcomes, right, through taking advantage of these cloud ecosystems. And so when we look at the future, um, I, we really see a profound impact that machine learning and AI is going to have on these environments. It's going to be able to unleash and unlock 
um, uh, automation tenants that are, are not kind of reticently available today. Um, so they will have a profound impact on that as well. Um, as well as, and I mentioned this before, around edge computing, the advancements that we've seen inside of, uh, of intelligent infrastructure are going to kind of push the boundaries uh, of where we can deploy cloud into the future. So uh, I, I think those two things combined will have a tremendous impact on how we deliver these cloud services to constituents and consumers going forward. Fantastic. Scott, what does uh, the cloud environment at the FBI look like in three years? Yeah, so the near yeah. term is, is very much lift and shift. We recognize that we're yeah. you know, trying to start somewhere. virtualize these applications and get them cloud ready and into cloud as soon as, as we have a place to land those applications. The future for us is clearly in DevOps, getting to where we are really developing in that standardized sandbox a set of tools that we can immediately scale up and deploy getting us delivered to market, getting us mission success a lot faster than we can do on conventional hardware. Uh, the other thing that we're looking to do in the near term and in the long term is make much more cloud-based unclassified capability available to our workforce to allow them to be more mobile, more nimble, and more responsive to threats. Fantastic. Uh, Doug, how about at Deloitte? Uh, what, what's, uh, what, what do you guys see as far as uh, over the horizon in regards to the commercial and the private sector? We see cloud as the catalyst for IT modernization. And IT, uh, lift and shift is a great initial strategy into the cloud, but it's definitely not the place to stop. The way to get the efficiency benefits and to tap into the innovation that's occurring through the cloud service providers such as Amazon is to um, migrate, then modernize. Um, and I think that's the, uh, the providing the ability then to tap into like advanced cognitive solutions, right? The things that are really going to be useful to mission programs and the, the newest capabilities um, with respect to artificial intelligence, machine learning, analytics, etc. We're really in kind of a ush ushering in the era of the cloud platform, moving beyond infrastructure into the platform level to enable these, um, these more mission-oriented capabilities. Um, multi-cloud management, uh, another key strategy going forward. And that is you know, considering a single management plane, not to lock down what's going on across all these clouds, but a kind of a taking a trust but verify approach in a sophisticated governance model to see and help manage what's going on across the multi-cloud ecosystem. And then finally recognizing, um, I've been in IT for 30 years. And throughout that entire 30-year period, IT has always struggled with relevance. And recognizing that we are at yet another point of IT needing to modernize their own organizational model to remain relevant in the context of the real value, which is the mission, why the agency or the organization exists, and the things that they're trying to accomplish. And, and IT is facing fundamental changes in order to enable that to happen, but you have to embrace it, and you have to be practical and realistic about it. You have to be measured, but you have to actually do something different than what you used to do, and what used to be successful, and that's what makes it difficult. They talk about a, you know, a CIO having a seat at the table, and uh, certainly this new executive order uh, uh, requires that uh, of every cabinet level agency to put them in that position. Uh, which is uh, fantastic, I think, and I think will help uh, tremendously across the community. Travis, uh, tell us uh, what, what, what does the cloud play look like in the Navy uh, you know, over the course of the next two to three years? So I think what we're really focusing on this year is, is uh, planning and uh, setting the governance. I think 
you know, Doug mentioned it a, uh, a lot. You can do the lift and shift, but it only takes you that far. I think in the Navy, we've realized that we can do the lift and shift. So let's start tackling a little bit of the bigger problems. Mm -hmm. So looking at the governance, looking at, at uh, the security boundaries and how we can help enable um, the different cloud brokers to get in there and solve some of those problems with the, the cloud native cap cloud-native boundary defense, um, cloud-native tools that will help us with identity access management and stop trying to solve those problems as independent islands or independent agents or groups and try and look at that as, as, a, as a larger enterprise effort. And I think that if we can do that in this, what we're calling our bridge year, I think that this is going to help with that cloud enablement. Because I think some of the things that we have to understand is, or we need to, to be more realistic about is the fact that the POM cycles are going to drive a lot of our cloud-native applications. Sure. And POM for the audience that may not yeah. know what that term is. Uh, but as far as it's yeah, your budget it's, formulation it's budget process formulation, for DOD. Yeah, right. the two-year cycle, and yeah. you're looking at when you when you start to drive some of these requirements, you're really at this point trying to, to I don't want to say throw a dart, but you're really trying to throw a dart of where you think you're going to be in two years to help these applications and help these larger systems pick how they can insert that technology into mm -hmm. the cloud. And I think if we can get this governance uh, security and, and some of the on-ramp and some of the identity access management, it will help those larger programs like the EPSs, the shipyards, and some of the ERP systems get into a better cloud state. And so you're doing sort of this interim, uh, you know, uh uh, you know, pre-Jedi or whatever, you know, sort of plays out there, it sounds like you're doing some lift and shift, positioning yourself for, you know, a full cloud enablement type. Right. I, 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 we're we're going to continue to do the lift and shift. We've sure. done about 40 applications already. Mm -hmm. We've got another 22 on tap, and that's really limited by our current contract right. effort. Um, that the lift and shift will continue, but I think that with Secretary Gertz coming down and saying that our five-year goal is now a three-year goal, right. we really have to look at how we're going to be a little bit more aggressive on moving those yeah. workloads in. And you know, the panelists talked about it today. Is you really have to set those standards. You really have to set those baselines first to get the mass adoption there. Um, so what we're kind of hoping is that everything is coming together, looking at the finance, making the, the right financial decisions, and making mm -hmm. people think about their. Uh, cloud first and then looking at the, the baseline and the, the security, how we can help those applications. Fantastic. Tom, how about the uh, the Army? So what does the future look like in the Army in regards to the cloud? Right. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll echo pretty much what everyone has already said. So sure. certainly identity and access management is, is paramount for us. We're kicking off an initiative to do that. Absolutely. We did an RFI a couple months ago and we're going to press forward with that rapidly. Right. Uh, knocking down the, the barriers to entry, whether they're governance, whether they're security, whether they're cyber, whether they're acquisition. I, we've got some pretty good things in place right now, you know, the, gov the, the Department of Defense writ large is, is struggling with the implementation of RMF, and so we're trying to make some streamlined efforts there, as well as finding the right talent and skills, whether it's, you know, from the commercial sector or internal, right? And, and that actually goes back a little bit to the culture, right? Sure. Um, and, and one thing I want to talk about, it came up in the, ch in the challenges, but this is also something that I see as a priority for us in the future. So the Army has this thing, it's called freedom of movement on the battlefield, right? Um, we believe cloud is going to give us this freedom of movement in the IT space, right? But there's challenges that come along with that very specifically. How do we retain our ability from a cyber protection team to go into a commercial cloud provider when something goes wrong, when we have an incursion, when we have a, a state or non-state actor come in and try to break into us? How do we go in there and do the same level of analysis uh, that we have the ability to do today? So we want to see some research and development done in that area as well. 
And the last thing I'll mention, which we really haven't talked about a lot, um, is the expeditionary nature of, of the of the Army and some of the Department of Defense elements as well as state and others, right? How do we operate in a disconnected environment, right? So that is a major priority for us, a disadvantaged, disconnected, or a contested environment, right? Um, so we have people who are intentionally trying to limit our ability access to bandwidth and to the capabilities, right? So we're really struggling with that right now. I hear these commercials, you know, on the radio, on W2P and whatnot, right, saying, hey, we, we give clouds to the to tactical edge. Um, uh, I don't believe it. It, it. The clouds today are based on broadband, low latency network connections, right? Um, but we do need to push that processing to the edge. I think Jeff mentioned that earlier, right? Push that processing to the edge, do all the processing we can, as close as we can to the point of inception, collection of the data, and then bring it back to the enterprise. Right, and uh, well, it's good timing because we're going to have another radio show specifically on communications. Love to talk about this, and I'm sure we could all day. We're going to have to wrap it up. I'd like to thank today's guests for taking the time out of their busy schedules to join us for this program. I'd like to thank our sponsors for Without We Don't Have a Show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Radio that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank the listening audience out there who tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM proudly celebrating 13 years. This show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of the show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsradio.com.